Welcome to this week's episode of A Question of Code. Uh, we're really lucky to be joined by Boris Paskeva, uh, who's a software developer, agile consultant, and is an online educator as well as being an author. Wow, he just does so much stuff. Um, he's currently based in New York City. Uh, welcome to the show, Boris. Thank you so much. It, it certainly sounds more impressive on paper <laughs> than it actually is. <laughs> yeah, it seems like you, you, you've been very busy with your uh, career. <laughs> it's a good set of credentials. I really like the sound of it. I'm branching out. Thank you for coming onto the show today. Uh, this is a topic that is something I've kind of looked at before. I might have imported pandas before, um, mm -hmm. but maybe not not dived particularly deep into. Um, but you're you're writing a book on pandas at the moment. Is that correct? I am. It's called Pandas in Action, and it will be released by Manning Publications early next year. Although it is available in pre-release mode online at Manning.com. Fantastic. Uh, we've also actually got some um, uh, a free ebook codes uh, for people listening. So uh, we'll tell you how you can get hold of those uh, at the end of the show. So make sure you listen all the way through. Wonderful. Don't skip to the end. <laughs> so I'm going to play, well, I, I say play the role of the neophyte. I, I'm not playing a role because I really do know well, very little about Python, but also, yeah. <laughs> considerably nothing next to nothing about pandas mm -hmm. uh, can you are you able to give me a like a, a quick summary like a really high level view of, of what it is and what it does is it something to do with um working with data is that correct absolutely in fact i can describe it in three words i call it excel on steroids i think that's, that's <laughs> the best description i can give so any of the operations that you can do with excel whether it be sorting columns aggregating data together counting occurrences of values in a column sorting filtering cleaning you know, replacing spaces with, with dollar signs. Any of those basic data analysis operations are doable with pandas. Of course, it can expand to support statistics and a lot more complex mathematical operations that even I'm not fully knowledgeable on. But if you're capable of using Excel, pretty much anything you can do in that graphical program, you can do via programming in the pandas library for Python. Great. So maybe before we get into that a bit, I, I, I see you said here that you're, you've not always been in a software engineer. That's correct. You used to work just in data analysis? That, that's correct. I, I did not have a formal computer science education, so I went to school for economics. And once I graduated, I couldn't find any real application of economics, so I started looking for <laughs> analyst roles. Uh, because Excel was the only piece of software that I knew how to use. And I think uh, it's a very popular software in general. Everybody uses Excel for personal finances or budgeting or checklists. Um, that was the only thing I knew out of college. So I worked a series of analyst roles until I wound up at Indeed.com, the job search site. I came in and interviewed in Excel. And on day one, they said, Excel is no longer scaling to support the data sets that we have, which are now millions of rows. We need to transition to a more heavy-duty solution. And it was Python Pandas. Uh, so I was fortunate enough to be asked to be paid money to learn something. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, after about a year and a half of working with Python, I found my kind of inclination or calling for coding, was doing it on the weekends, was doing it in the evenings, um, and decided to pursue a coding boot camp uh, to do a full stack software engineering and made my career transition there. Uh, so that was in 2017, and I've been software engineer for the last three years. That's amazing. We've, um, we've talked a lot about boot camps as a concept. On the, mm -hmm. in, on the show in the past, we've never spoken to someone who's actually done one. So uh, my, my, questions are, my big question would be, how long did it take and mm -hmm. how, did you, how did you find the whole experience? The experience was 12 weeks long and I estimate each one of those weeks was about 80 to 90 hours of commitment. Um, so it was coding seven days a week. I estimate roughly about 12 hours a day. Um, I did it in person 
Uh, right now, I know there's options available for online programs versus in-person. I found in-person to be significantly more rewarding. You're, or at least in, in App Academy where I went, we were paired with another developer each day. So we had to play the role of both teacher and learner to be able to understand concepts as they were explained to us, but also to explain them to others, um, see where the gaps were. Um, and that in-person experience, also bonding with people going through the same struggle, helped a lot more compared to learning anything online, whether it be in an asynchronous or synchronous environment. It's a lot easier when there's a whole cohort of 50, 60 people learning together and struggling together. Um, so three months of about 12 weeks, uh, 80, 90 hours, and then uh, that was enough for me to start applying to jobs. And I found a job about two, three months into the job search. So it, it is doable. That's what the message I always send to people. <laughs> Uh, but it was probably the most difficult educational experience of my life and more difficult than any class or, or year at college. Yeah, it sounds like you've pumped a lot of hours into it as well. That's, that's a lot of commitment. It's not something to be taken lightly. I'll just, I'll just go and do a code boot camp for a, a couple of weeks or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and then, then managing that I gained something like 10 pounds. Uh, you know, I was just having dreams about code. All that stuff starts to, starts to happen. <laughs> Becoming a true software developer. Fantastic. <laughs> um, so... Uh, I, I kind of, this pandas, uh, Python, this sort of thing, it's kind of quite a lot of the time is used in kind of data science. Is that, would you say that's the kind of career area you're in, data science, uh, and maybe just tell us what, what that is? It's very interesting because <laughs> most of my software engineering today is not at all related to, to data science. Um, Python and, and pandas data analysis was my entry point into software engineering, but then I went off in a, in a different direction. Um, but yes, Pandas is part of a larger ecosystem of many tools that you can use for statistics, natural language processing, machine learning, text analysis. Uh, it's, it's fundamentally the layer that shows you the, the table of data, if you will, the rows and columns and how you manipulate it. How you arrive at that table of data can come from a variety of different libraries and frameworks. How you decide to visually draw it in a graph can be a variety of other different libraries. Pandas is just the epicenter, the atom in the middle that takes care of all the tabulation and manipulation of the data. Brilliant. So it's kind of, you know, like you say, Excel on steroids. What what kind of benefits does it have over, say, I, I know Excel quite well, um, mm -hmm. I, I think. I know I know that you can get quite deep into Excel, can't you? But like, why, why would I want to, other than maybe dealing with lots of data, why might I want to step away from using Excel and have a go at, at Pandas? I think one of the primary advantages is the step-by-step -step approach to analysis. So the one of the primary tools that we use with Pandas is Jupyter Notebook. Uh, which so, almost reads like an academic journal where we have each line of code written in sequence. So when somebody else is reading over your output, they can see the steps you took to actually solve the problem. It's not just the final output, like when you open an Excel spreadsheet and you see the final numbers. You can see the thought process that somebody followed. You can integrate those pieces of code with things like text descriptions, headers, videos, uh, audio, animations, slidable you know, widgets. Um, so it's a lot more of an interactive story that you're telling with your analysis compared to Excel, which is just a static dump of text. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting because um, I've, I've been using some uh, Jupyter. I've just started using Jupyter Notebooks, essentially. And while they were kind of a bit of a shock for me coming from just doing everything basically on the command line, um, it's, it's quite nice Like if you're just showing someone, like you say, a piece of code and you're showing them some data or something, you can say, look, this is the code I ran. This is what we got straight out of it. And having like, the notes and stuff in as well, I've, I found really useful. And it's yeah. also duplicatable. So if it's the same, if you're working with the same report each day uh, and the logic for iterating over the columns or performing the calculation stays consistent, it's a lot easier to swap a different file in there, perform the same operation on 100 different files in sequence. All of those 
I always say a programming language is always good for rep repeating things, repetition. So for all those repetitive activities, instead of creating 100 Excel notebooks, it's a lot easier to just do it in a programmatic fashion. There's a, a logic to the steps uh, that is easier to express in a programming language than it is in a visual interface like Excel. Brilliant. Huh. So I, th I think you might have claimed that it's a good place to start uh, coding altogether. That maybe it's yes. the best place to start programming. That That's... To me, that sounds a bit of a shock. I think I'd be a bit scared if that was my first uh, hook into programming. What can you sell it to us? <laughs> yeah, I think, and it, it, it's, it certainly was my own personal experience. And I would even take a step back and say, I remember I was talking to an engineer one day, and he said, "If you think about it, Excel itself was the first programming language we ever learned." And I was a little bit stumped by that, but he said, "Think about it. You have." If you think about something like a COUNTIF operation, you're iterating over a sequence of values, and if some kind of condition is met, you're counting it or summing it. Or something like a VLOOKUP operation is looking for a key in one table, identifying it in another table, and then aggregating them together. The Excel has conditionals. It has an IF statement. You know, If this condition is true, put the value 5 in the cell, otherwise put the value 10. Those are all progr programming concepts at the core. Um, and the reason that's exciting for me is because Excel is installed on 750 million computers worldwide. So people have experience with that kind of thinking. And because they're already familiar with those operations in Excel and they have the background and the foundation of what's possible, transitioning to Pandas where you have a use for it, uh, it makes it makes it a really great entry point. A lot of times when you pick up programming in general, you're not sure the, the so what of it. You know, I can declare an, an array of five items of fruits, but what does that mean? But if you have the background of Excel and you know you have a data set and you know how you want to manipulate it, Pandas is the perfect bridge uh, because it's a different way of thinking about the problem, but you already have a project. You have something you need to solve and you know how to get there. And now it's just finding a new language to express that analysis. Oh, we've heard that a lot before in the past that like, the best way to learn something is to have an actual job to be done. A, a task that you want to get in, stuck into. So yeah. yeah, it sounds like Pandas is a great place for those people. Yeah, if you're reaching the limits of what you can do with Excel and you want to have more power, suddenly mm. you've got access to this tool set. You, you understand if you're good at Excel, you understand the fundamental actions that are happening. It's just a new syntax essentially to, exactly. to get your head around. And the benefits yeah. as well is that you start to dive into programming, and the applications of that are tenfold. So, so when you started getting into it, did you did you go did you kind of learn Python first, or did you kind of just go looking up pandas? It was of tutorials. It was, a, it was a mixed bag, and what was interesting is I immediately got my assignment at work. You know, here's the data mm. set we have in a CSV file. Find this, find the top five performance employees, or something like that. And it was just stitching together code, uh, combining tutorials on YouTube, but also just Stack Overflowing. How do I sort a column in pandas? finding the results, copying and pasting the code, as we all do when we begin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, sometimes I stumble upon those uh, former, those old notebooks, and I'm surprised by how terrible <laughs> the code is. But the beautiful part is it gets you started. And you, you pick up this thing right here, you pick up another thing right here, and then the toolbox grows over time. And then before long, you know all the tools you need in order to start scratch on a new data set and not have to reference those resources. It's, it's really interesting you said as well about the... Um 
the hundred was it 150 million billion computers that 700, have it? <laughs> 750 million that's according to microsoft they don't million. know if they're <laughs> they may be double counting excel and powerpoint or something like that but that's the number i've heard yeah it made, it made me think back to when i was at school um i we didn't have coding lessons or anything but we did have it lessons where we were doing stuff in excel like the ifs and else's and stuff so in a way that, that's kind of thinking back now i probably learned some of the basics of like f fundamental programming thinking the logic behind it through excel so that's actually a really interesting thing that I, I hadn't thought about before yeah it was interesting to me when the other developer said it but it 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 made sense all yeah. of a sudden and it's yeah so definitely true so so the amount of python you need is or you'd say like fairly minimal really. i would say fairly minimal um i don't know how technical we can get here but i don't think you really need to know how to make your own custom classes um a lot of it is is working with pre-existing objects in the pandas library and I always just introduce an object as a data structure that you can interact with. So uh, we have the central data frame object, which is basically a table of data similar to a spreadsheet. And then you invoke a bunch of methods on it, sort the values or sort the index or join it with another one. So similar to how you have functions in Excel, you just call functions in a programming language to accomplish similar operations. Um, I'm kind of living proof that you don't need a complete Python background uh, in order to tackle pandas yeah and, and neither a computer science degree which is always encouraging to hear when Absolutely. people i hear so many people that get into this career it's so good you can learn so much online a lot of it for free as well and that's that's always a real benefit yeah the the, the resources available today compared to even a decade ago are incredible um, yeah and yeah. I, I i tried learning programming in the past before i was given a project and always struggled with it um and now there's 40 hour courses for ten dollars yeah it's, it's it is fantastic yeah, I sometimes wish I could just sort of <laughs> spend days, work days, just going through all these amazing tutorials and, and guides that are out there because it's, yeah. it's an infinite supply of things to learn at this point, it feels like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. almost almost too many. <laughs> <laughs> and growing each day, yeah. 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 So going back to your, your boot camp experience, you, you've come, you've, so just to get the timeline straight in my head, you've, you've taken up pandas, you've learned the Python that you need to get that done and then gone to bootcamp to expand mm -hmm. what you know. How did that, like looking back on the stuff, on what you knew beforehand to what you knew after the bootcamp, how did it change your mindset of thinking about code particularly? That's a good question. How did my mindset, I think it's, it's the expansion of into a different domain. Bootcamp largely teaches web development. Um, and so starting to think of a programming language as, a more flexible tool that can be applied in a variety of use cases versus just in the realm of data analysis required a little bit of a shift backwards. At that point, you do have to start diving into things like classes. How do you create your own objects? How do you model real world ideas in the, in the context of a programming application? With, with Pandas, you're working with somebody else's constructs. When you're starting to build your own apps or your own games, you have to start thinking about your own ideas that you'd like to express. Even if you're building a game like chess, you have to create the idea of what a chessboard is and explain that to a computer. In Pandas, it's more working with existing stuff. In Bootcamp, you start learning how to build your own constructs. So what, what, what is, what's the output of a Pandas project then? What's your deliverable at the end of, uh, end of a job? Usually it, it would be a, uh, an aggregate. I would provide a summary. I would say even a paragraph of here is the top five performers by revenue per month. Sometimes I would export the data from pandas into a CSV file or an Excel file. So I would take the aggregate collection of 3 million rows and summarize it in 50 rows that I would then pass on to a manager. 
Uh, sometimes the people in Indeed would just come and ask for a specific number. Uh, what was the average number of clicks on this advertisement on our site? Here's a list of tens of millions of clicks. Um, and so it would just be a single number. It varies and it varies from role to role, but pandas can, can do whatever you'd like it to do. It can write to a sheet. It can probably write to a database. Uh, it can output a single number. It can create a visual dashboard. All, all, of, the, all of that is possible. Yeah, but the, the where it's most useful, like it's reason for being is the actual crunching of the numbers, the Correct. doing the doing that arithmetic. Yes. Yeah. And I, so my next question was going to be, we talk about all these tutorials online, loads of really good places to go and search for this stuff and learn this stuff. Um, but I feel like you might want to say, go get my book. <laughs> <laughs> so um, <laughs> I, you obviously yes. written this kind of, it seems like a introductory, is it an introductory book for people kind of getting into Pandas? Yes, I, I would say that uh, if you're experienced with Excel, uh, you should feel pretty comfortable. It helps if you have a little bit of experience in Python, but a little bit to me doesn't mean more than just a weekend of completing something like a Codecademy tutorial or an introductory yep. five-hour course. Um, and then I, I specifically, when I was writing the book, compared it to some of our competitors in the marketplace, including books that I was reading when I was starting out. And I made an effort to make it a lot more friendly for people coming from my background, which is more Excel focused, not too much programming experience and be more friendly with the introductions, with the concepts, not get too nitty gritty into the technical stuff to make it more open to them. Yeah. So it's called Pandas in Action. I, kind of, you can just go, you can go in there and then just take things out and just use them straight away, I imagine. Yep. Kind of like your copy and paste kind of from Stack Overflow <laughs> back when you were starting. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Each, each chapter is, is, is ideally isolated. So if you want to dive into mm -hmm. a specific section, there's a different data set in each chapter. You can just explore that context, rip out whatever you want and apply it. And they can also be read in a linear order if you'd like the whole experience. Yeah. Okay. Um, what 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 made you decide to to write a book? <laughs> that's that's a great question. The 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 funny backstory is that P Manning reached out to me. Uh, I I teach courses on Udemy.com, and one of my first yep. courses was a pandas course. Um, accumulated some students. I, I never even really made an effort to market it. I kind of made it before I went to boot camp, hoping for some supplemental revenue while I was unemployed. And it started taking off and they reached out and said, would you like to take these course concepts and put them into a book? And I, I come from a very academic family. My father's an economist. His father was an economist. So having a published work was always seen like a, a big accomplishment. Um, and so I, it felt like a good opportunity. And, and if somebody offers you to write a book, it's, it's always something to me. I, it was kind of even shocked that anybody would ask. And it was an immediate thumbs up for me. And I said, if, if you're willing to give me the shot, I will, I will do my best to deliver the best product I can. That's brilliant. So, so it's kind of on the back of getting out there and trying to help people anyway on Udemy, yeah. then you are, you're also kind of other people have seen you and kind of want more things to happen. That's, yeah. that's really cool. And that's kind of uh, related to the concept of uh, picking up technology. I would say that no matter what experience level you are, it's always helps if you're creating content and not just consuming. Um, because I, I'm a big believer that if, if you can teach something, then you truly know that you understand it. And many times it's even the beginners who have a better understanding of it because they understand the moment where it all clicked. Us seniors or those who have been around code for a while take things for granted. We forget the light bulb moments, the aha moments. Beginners have that advantage. So I always tell people, whenever you learn something, write a blog post, produce a video, put it out there for free. Try to relay those concepts and explain them. Um, and that's how you can grow as a developer as well. 
Fantastic. Yeah, I think we we would definitely both agree with that, wouldn't we, Tom? <laughs> yeah, it's been a it's been a running theme throughout this podcast is that the idea of the level that you have to know something to to explain it to someone else is different to the level that you need to know it just to do something. You can yes. often kind of bodge your way through without fully understanding concepts. Yes, absolutely. It's I mean, even someone like me who has three years of experience, there's still many things I don't understand. That's one of my favorite parts of coding is that there's always something else to learn. You could study this for five decades and, and still feel like you've covered 10% of everything. <laughs> yeah, and we were also saying last week about what such a great community is the coders in general are just because there are so many people that just want to help other people i know you you get you get money from the udemy course but i imagine the amount of the amount you get back from it isn't the amount that you actually spent putting into yeah, <laughs> making the content it's it's, <laughs> it's significant amount of hours and it's it feels good to me that you can get a 20-hour pandas course for about 10 10 american which i think is pretty pretty affordable a boot camp will cost you seventeen thousand american so i think it, it feels <laughs> it feels good to be able to to generate revenue by having a large number of users consuming a product that is inexpensive. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's really good for the community. Did you find that um, having your experience through making your tutorials on Udemy and going through that process, did like, did that change your ideas of what it was that you were doing? And how did that feed into how you've, your thought process behind structuring the book and how to present this information to new people? So so planning a course does, does require... A deeper dive into the concepts and, and lets you know your own assumptions or aspects that you truly don't understand about a, a technology or framework. Um, it's easy to say write this code to somebody to get it to work, but then to understand what it's doing underneath the hood uh, is is more more complex. So teaching helps you understand that, and so does writing a book. Um, as far as structuring the book, it was it was pretty similar to to the to the course. I kind of always wanted more hands-on examples so that. Uh, you're diving into an actual real life data set uh, and, and exploring and seeing, I always say, here's what we're trying to find. Here's the relevant analysis, the top five of this, the bottom five of this, and here's the code to make it happen. Um, one of the things I didn't like about my competitors' books is a lot of the data sets were randomly generated tables of numbers, you know, with the columns A, B, C, D, E. There was no context. Um, it reminded me of when I was learning programming and somebody would declare a, a list of numbers or an array of numbers. And I'm like, what does that mean? That doesn't, that doesn't apply. So one of my goals here was to make it applicable to actually have data sets from federal government, from Kaggle, from all kinds of different companies, Fortune 1000 data set. We do an analysis on revenues and finances there to have that real world context to make it applicable so that people can see that and see how it's applied to their own work. That's an incredible thing to have because so often I'd stumble on like tutorials that I'm learning on and that all the variables are foo and bar and there's yeah. like a history behind that, but it's not helpful at the time. If you've got real stuff and a real job to do, that makes things so much easier. The official Pandas documentation is that, and there is a <laughs> now a movement, there's an actual issue in their GitHub that says the top one of the top priorities for the next release is to write better documentation because it's a barrier to entry for their own product. So I... Hopefully that then that's that's good news for the book, which could be a little bit more friendly to the beginner. Yeah, yeah, it's it's always uh, refreshing when you do a tutorial or you read a post or book or anything, um, and to have like not those foo and bar and one two three four a b c d, it helps you kind of understand the data a bit better and actually get a bit more involved with what what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah, it's one less thing to have to try and decipher when you're when you're going when you're in, you're already like your brain is a mush from learning so much stuff if you're learning a new concept like this to have to then take that extra cognitive load of oh i don't even understand what we're trying to do is right 
really tough. Yeah. And I think related to that, another aspect is, is making it a little bit less serious. Um, you know, I, a lot of times this kind of data analysis takes place in finance or in, in serious fields, hedge funds, that kind of stuff. One of the first examples in the book is a, a column of Pokemon. <laughs> it's, it's a data set of Pokemon because I kind of always imagine like a very serious PhD professor picking up the book and what they expect. And I like that aspect of shock when it's a more silly, <laughs> silly, trivial, fun example um, that makes it a lot more approachable, I think. So uh, making it a little bit more lighthearted is, was another goal in the book. No, that's such a good aim to have because the you know, official docs are always quite dry in their nature, aren't they, generally speaking? Yeah. yeah. Programmers may not be the most creative as far as the the selling point, the making it poetic, making it charismatic. Yeah, I always I always trying to avoid writing the docs altogether. I think. <laughs> Hope my company aren't listening. <laughs> yeah, you're not alone in that, Ed. You're not alone in that. It's, yeah. <laughs> ah, so um, here you're talking about. Uh, I'm just looking at about the book here, and um, I, I think it's quite good that you also start with kind of broken and messy you say broken and messy data uh, that's something that is quite even in my job i'm not i'm not a data anal an analyst but i do have to deal with like bits of data and csv files and things and they're always kind of messy or i end up writing a python script that kind of has like hundreds of if statements just to get get uh, through every single um condition so I, I wonder if you could just this is a bit cheeky but if you could just maybe explain some of the ways that 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 happens or how does pandas make that easier sure so uh, i've seen broken data in a wide variety of ways everything from incorrect casing all capital letters all lowercase letters extra spaces uh, weird characters that are uh, incorporated um, you may need to convert data from one format to another so a data for currency may come in with for example a dollar sign which prevents it from being treated like a number that can be added or aggregated so Pandas helps with things, traditional Excel things like find and replace, looking for all occurrences of value, replacing it, converting data types from numbers to strings, from strings to numbers. Um, in addition, sometimes a given cell can have multiple values, multiple information can be stored within the same column, finding ways to split it up into multiple columns, um, converting a wide data set to a narrow data set and, and vice versa. An easy way to explain that to beginners is uh, taking a data set and converting it to a pivot table and taking a pivot table and converting it to a normal data set. So the presentation of data and how, as far as how it's being stored, all those kinds of manipulations uh, to ensure that no matter how it comes in, it's easy to get into a shape that is proper for the analysis you're trying to do. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> I'll, I'll be looking forward to reading it when it, when it comes out. Thank um, you. So it's, it's 20, 2021. That's the release date, isn't it? It should be in published form early next year. And I think the first nine chapters, so roughly the first half of the book is now online. Oh, brilliant. Um, so how, how are you finding the, the writing process? It, it's more fun making videos. <laughs> I, <would say> that. <laughs> I was going to say, like you so, said, developers aren't necessarily maybe uh, fantastic at sitting down for long periods of time and writing documentation. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 a ch it's challenging to write. It's, it, the, the advantage is that it's easy to chip away in little chunks. You can write for 10 minutes. It's hard to record a video in 10 minutes because you have to get the microphone set up, just like the podcast. You have to get the computer set up, the monitor, the lesson plan. It's a lot easier to write the chapter in chunks. Uh, but writing is just generally, for me, a more laborious process. It, it feels like writing a script, while when I'm making videos, I just speak. I many times even leave in the errors and the vocal flubs, as long as they're not too offensive. 
it, it feels more like I'm having a conversation with my student. In books, those contexts, those nuances don't always shine through. I'm not sure if the joke I'm telling is funny or if it's properly being expressed. Uh, you have to use things like bolding and highlighting to indicate, I mean it this way, kind of. Um, it's harder with, with words than it is with sounds and with visuals, at least for me and also in how I learn. Uh, so it's a different type of challenge, uh, but it's, it's been rewarding. I think that the, the challenge with being a good writer is very similar to being a good developer, which is a little bit at a time. Just getting into a habit of writing an hour a day, programming a, an hour a day, and then you start to find the tips and tricks that optimize uh, the efficiency of it. Oh, that's a n nice comparison to make, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I keep saying I'm going to do my... It's kind of a bit of a running joke now that I'm going to be writing some blog posts, but I've written like three, so... <laughs> <laughs> one day i'll chip it i'll try that i'll just do 10 minutes every day there you go it's all it also helps when you have a, a contract with mandated due dates <laughs> no, so okay. how, how does the experience of working with a with a proper publisher i guess you, you have an editor and there's a submission process is that right yep uh, we we meet once once a week for about half an hour um there's many different editors there is the more uh kind of the project manager editor who is just keeping making sure you're on track uh, setting due dates there are more technical editors who is somebody who is an, an expert in that field. There is a group of sample students uh, who are given the book for free and they comment, here's where I'm not understanding, here's where you can expand more. And all of their feedback comes in in a document to me and then I add those edits uh, later. And that's one of the things that I really like about Manning right now is that it's a very agile or iterative process. So we don't just publish the book and wait for feedback. We put the first six chapters out there. And even before they're live for purchase, we're getting feedback, we're iterating, we're learning what works and what doesn't. Um, it's just basically week-long week -long experiments for a better part of a year and a half. So it's almost like you've got, you've got week-long sprints going on. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> the developer in me is a, manifests itself everywhere, I guess. But yeah. Very similar. So, and yeah, that testing, like the iteration on it, is fascinating. Have you have, have there been any surprises? Any uh, weird things come out of that? It's interesting. The, the 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 funniest thing that happens, same thing happens with my courses, is predictably there's readers who say this is way too uh, easy. Get get into the more complex stuff, and then there's people who say this is way more complex. Slow down. <laughs> if it's <laughs> if it's consistent feedback, it's always easy to work on uh, finding the right balance. Um, is the hard part. But I figure if, if they say, okay, it's a little bit too fast or a little bit too slow and there's an equal balance of those criticisms, then I think I've hit the right. Yeah, yeah. you hopefully uh, take the average of everyone and <laughs> you're doing a good job. <laughs> there's no way of knowing until the book comes out, but we'll see. I kind of took, took from the competitors, saw what I could improve upon, and then that was my vision. And then the students or the readers help refine that draft oh, that's fantastic um and as i said uh, at, at the beginning of the show um we do have some free codes to give away uh we've got five free copies of the ebook so what we want you to do is on twitter we would like you to post a question uh with the hashtag uh aqoc and we will give the first five questions uh the free copy of the book uh, we have a final question of the show which is top three tips for developers changing career you've given loads of fantastic tips already but i was wondering if you'd be able to share some insights that you've picked up Sure. Uh, it's a great question. Obviously, lots of different ways to take it, both from a technical and from a psychological perspective. I can kind of have a list here. I can recount through some of these, and I'm sure I've covered some of these before. But uh, right. number one, aim to have a project or projects to work on immediately. 
Um, it's good if you have a, a general set of ideas on what you'd like to build. It doesn't have to be complex. Um, it helps. And number two, create content, whether that be videos, articles, teachings, mentoring somebody locally. It doesn't matter what level of experience you have. If you know a little bit about programming, you know more than 99% of the world who doesn't code. And the more you teach, the quicker you'll, you'll, you'll learn as well. Uh, I also recommend the progress journal, uh, just keeping track of here's what I learned today, here's what I picked up over the last month. And then on the psychological side, I think it's a good idea to always dive into things like habit forming, uh, motivation. I recommend a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. A lot of good pieces of advice in that book as to how to get yourself into a mindset of good habits, how to get into a mentality of I'm going to be doing this every day for an hour and starting to make it a habit more so than just a, uh, something you have to coerce yourself or try to force yourself to do. Um, that, that means thinking in a mentality like I'm already a programmer, I can visualize my success, I can see myself practicing for an hour, all of those things matter. Uh, I find that motivation over time runs out. But when you start making it consistent and it's more just like a routine that reflects part of your identity as I am a developer, I'm going to learn to code, it, it manifests in being more productive over time. So that's, that's some amazing advice. And I love the fact that that's just as applicable to me having been coding for, for years as it is to someone starting out. It's just solid advice for everyone. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of A Question of Code with Boris talking about his new book that's coming out next year, Pandas in Action. You can find all the links you need to find out more about Boris and his work in our show notes, as well as ways to get in touch with him. But the the one best way to get in touch with you, Boris, what would that be for people? Uh, I'm an open guy. I, I still think my email is a good place. I, I'm unfortunately very neglectful with social media. So you can reach me at boris.paskaver, that's P-A-S-K-H-A-V-E-R, at nyu.edu. I try to respond to everybody who reaches out. Amazing. Thanks. We also encourage people to send in their questions to us. Um, you could find out more about us at aqoc.dev or questionofcode.com. And if you do want to get a free copy of the ebook, don't forget to tweet us at aqocode uh, with the hashtag aqoc in your question. And the first five people that post their questions will get that code sent to them. It's a good book. It's worth it. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. So thanks again, Boris, for coming on the podcast and keep safe. Thank you very much. And best of luck to both of you on your development journeys. Thanks a lot. Bye. Cheerio.